lovely listeners, I'm Tara, your host. Welcome back to Scratching the Surface, where we talk all things real. If we talk about anything that you'd like to discuss further, or you have any feedback for me, please find my Instagram at Life Behind the Rainbow. I would absolutely love to hear from you. I hope you enjoy. Hello, hello. I'm here with Kevin McGowan. So Kevin, I just knew you when I was a bit younger through your cousin Claire, who of course I went off to Australia with and she's never come back with me. So um, that's the only time I really would have met you was up in her, up around year where you live and stuff. Um, and now I've come back from all my travels and here you are doing something really cool, outdoorsy, something with a really good purpose. But just to start off, will you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about yourself? Absolutely. Good to see you. I'm actually in the place too. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, Kevin. And um, I'm big into the history. I still work in the construction through the day. And then at the weekends, I do the adventure tourism outdoors, um, mainly based in Rathbun Island. Well, 95% of it would be based in Rathbun Island, but we still do a bit here in the, the Glens as well. And that includes paddleboarding, um, hiking would be the, the big one. And then just recently then we realised that there was a, a wealth of natural abundance growing on the shorelines. So we do foraging tours now as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Amazing. So doing all the sporty kind of things, is that something you were into originally? No. or I wouldn't have said that. I'm sure you know yourself. <laughs> It definitely wouldn't have been the lifestyle I would have been living probably the last time that you were home or before you moved to Australia. Um, no, I had um, I quite liked to party and I had that was my adventures really back then. Hmm. But um, that's normal at that age. It is normal at that age. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have any regrets. I never. I don't have any regrets in life. Um, probably wish to probably had to put a bit more money away when I was younger instead of now. But sure, we can all say that. Yeah. Um. No. Uh, life's too short. Um. To be sitting in a dark room, hungover on a Sunday morning, and maybe even into the Monday morning. Sometimes right through till Wednesday. Till Wednesday. <laughs> exactly. I heard this new word there, and some it's these. Well, I, I can I can actually officially call these young ones in the building sites now. But one of them mentioned to me about hindsight, mm-hmm. which is never a term that I would have heard of before. But um, I definitely have felt that now, so it's a good term. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I just realised that, that, that life was too short and um, I just kind of had to go up at a time. I remember the exact point too, by the way, of when it happened. You want to tell us? Yeah, I can tell you, certainly. Um, I was walking down, so I'm originally from Balavoyes, you know, up, up in the mountains there. I grew up there. That was our playground as we were growing up. And I remember coming out of a pub late one night, I'll say no names. And the next pub would have opened at 8 o'clock in the morning again, I'll say no names. And I remember walking down Churchley Road from my house, and I literally had went in and changed the shirt. I was walking down, it was a day just very much like this. And I thought to myself, what the, am I doing? And that was it there. Wow. Um, that's kind of where I started, and I just thought there was more life there. What age do you reckon you were then? <laughs> well, I'm 49 in the next couple of weeks, so we're probably going back. Well, officially we started the, the, the business back in 2015 so what seven years ago we started the business now but I would say I've been doing this probably the last 10 years right and then it tied in nicely for me the whole lot because I'm as you probably well know that I'm massively into the history mm-hmm. and uh, the walking tours talking to people meeting people telling people their history 
Mm. And indeed, the history of this place where we're currently sat at, <laughs> your history. Yeah. We'll move it up again too deep today into that <laughs> section. But I mean, this place up here was uh, very important to us as well, the family. And yeah. That's where my granny was from. She was born just as we're looking out of London here up into the forest. And the house is no longer there. And my granny, sadly, she's no longer here either. But she would have been born just up in a cabin up there, seven. Wow, yes, it's that's the thing about history and everything. Like people used to have these wee simple lives, seven in a wee small, seven in a small house, like two rooms, basically now that would be just called a shed. Yeah, yeah. which is I I I personally want to get back to that. I can't ever see me having a big fancy house. I don't want it. You don't want it. No, and I want to be in the middle of trees and grow my own veg and all that just showing you out the front like what our little vision I've got for the very near future but so bring us right back though you're saying that the history was the main thing were you always into history I was I was and I will always be into history in fact there's like a few ideas in my head that I would like to some somewhere to yourself I would like to carry on going to the future but we have a picture of the very first day that I kind of fell in love with history and it's in a Barnish Primary School, I think it was 1994 or something like that. Wow. Maybe even earlier, I think it was 1894. And there was a woman, a school teacher, Bridget McFarn, McSparn, cushioned on now, Bridget sadly no longer with us. But she took it on her own initiative to take the school bus. Um, it was a man, Tommy, Tommy Campbell, I think, from memory that drove the school bus at that time. I would, that's one of the things that history there is. I have quite a real good memory, I strongly. Lucky you, Jeepers, yeah. that's my problem. I have no, my memory's terrible. No, it's uh, it's good, I suppose, for any sort of mm. history lover to have a good memory. I do mm. have a good memory, and I, yeah, I, I can remember things like that. Wow. But Tommy and Mrs. McSparn, then they took us up round different historical sites there in Kilfeekran, just the neighbouring parish. And um, ever since that day, then uh, it just was installed in me. Wow. They, didn't, they didn't have to do that. And they actually walked us through, and I, I mean, I've based my company on this, like really, when you think about it. But they took us to the likes of Juan Margie Freire. They took us to Fairhead, Bloch Nacrana, over into the Sutter Rains down in Craigowood and Cushion Dunn. And there's a picture, and I would actually post it on Instagram quite often, because it kind of reminds me of where it started. You know? Oh, I love that. That's a good idea. Yeah. There's Helen Black, these are all local girls and that I'm sure maybe they'll not like me calling them out in a podcast, but Noel Jameson, Helen Black, Patrice McVeigh, Katrina McCollum, Nathaniel Hunter and all of us. Oh yeah, yeah. that, yeah. They were on the last shirt, Jesus, how Nathaniel me had the run of just across the way from here for years now. That is what, Nat, because I'd be very friendly with Nat, obviously through his wife Amy, and he always says, my backyard, like he yeah. grew up with Fairhead as his backyard. Like, what a life, like, what a childhood. Yeah, it was class. We, so, I lived up in Churchfield, just up above the casement estate. And, I mean, our summers like this would have been swimming in Kerry River. I mean, it's nostalgic now to think about it. And mm. you, you hear people harking back to the good days and that. But it, it's so true. Like, we would have had the tent that we would borrowed off Mary Gallon. I think that was a handling one time because we had a big hole in the side of the tent. Oh, God. And we would have swam in them rivers. We swam in Fairhead and... Different ones would have come around from Carrie, Big Robert Mackay, and a few different ones, Fionn Butler, and there have been ones would have come down in here from Glenshees, the Devons, and there was a tribe of us, like about 20, camped out, swam in the rivers, went down in through the forest, casements, woods, built, like, you know, and when you put that and the history together, I kind of still do that. Mm. What I try to do now is I try to get people out to walk through that. Like, the business for me is not financial. If anybody thinks you're going to make any money, Locally, in tourism, on a part-time basis, it's just not the way to go. Mm. You really have to have a passion and a love and 
another purpose for that. And um, I can tell you, I'll tell you how the whole tourism started. So because then I was pretty good at history, I didn't, I never, I never qualified or anything in history. I actually left Crossing Passion with like no qualification, I think. A D was <laughs> the biggest result I got in the GCSE. Guess what it was in? Was it not in history? It was, I. But I still failed it. <laughs> so I did it at the time. And then... You just weren't... School wasn't school your wasn't thing. Yeah, and that's me. what you hear a lot. And that's... I, I was a school teacher for a bit. Yeah. I didn't even stick that out for very long. I ended up... Nope. A school setting is not for me. I need to be working with these kids that that's not for them. And I only then was working in the community with kids that refused to go to school. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And they were labelled as bad. They were labelled as, you know... Will not even go down that route because it makes me angry. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's yeah, and it's still like that today. It is. I I like the way like an outdoor classroom. Obviously, you know that's what we try to do. We, that is what we do mm. through the foraging. I mean, we're teaching people with the produce and coastline, and walking that's people amazing. through the local history. You know, and, and like some of the connections that I because Ballycastle and Kilfeater and such the Glens is such a small place, so there's a strong chance then. I will know who their grandparents was or who their great grandparents was, so you're fit to connect them and probably tell them. So it's the same with like my people and your people <laughs> that would have grown up in these fields all those yeah. years ago. Like the stories yeah. that I could probably tell, but I won't. I won't get into that. But that's what we're doing. And school wasn't for me. It really, it definitely wasn't. Um, that was no fault of the teachers. It was just the curriculum. The system. The, the system, system just yeah. tries to put every child into a wee box. I say the same bloody box, which was my big problem. There's so every kid is so different and has such different talents. And actually, you were probably born to chat and yeah. share your passions, and you were never told that in school that like, that's okay. Yeah, that's right. That's very true. Um, I was called by one teacher, and it always stuck with me. Boom, idol, lazy. Was what I was told. Um, that teacher and I, she was a local woman, she's no longer with us, but I was, yeah, I was, I was told, I remember being told that, because that's one of the bad things, but the good memory is, you can remember the negativity at times too, yeah. but I mean, I've done alright, like, I'm here, I'm, you know, with a couple of business, like, we're, you're doing amazing, you're yeah. working away, and then you have these, right, so tell us then about your wee businesses, and tell us, so the history, that's for a start, um, left school, and went on the tools, went on the construction, uh, joiner, and moved to Dublin at that time, because that's where all the work was, we'll come out the tail end of the Celtic Tiger, uh, starting the Celtic Tiger, and um, instead of going out to, like I love the pubs and all at the weekend, mm -hmm. but through the, that's the, okay. the week, the lads would, went down for a couple of pints or dinner and stuff, but that was never me, I couldn't, and I suppose it's still an issue that I struggle with, is I could never do a couple of pints, I'm there to the death, so I brought the books with me, Irish history books, local history books, um, down into the pub? No, no, just down at the hotel that we're staying <laughs> right, in. Right, no, okay, no, yeah, no, yeah. No, 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 no. What the crack one? I was going to say, right, you don't have to turn that on. <laughs> no, no, no. I, just, I couldn't go to the pub because immediately yeah. I wouldn't come home from the pub. Fair. So I brought the history books with me and just sort of self-educate it. And then people would start to recognise you a little bit for it. Causeway Coast and Glens, and they launched a project in 2015. It was coming up the centenary of, well... Two parts that really drives this part of the world that would have been least a reason that would be represented by the nationalist community and the battle of the Somnian that would have been very sort of a Somnian occasion for the, for the unionist community and they wanted to take us out in our local area tease out them stories and then tell it to people that would come when you say us so there was a group of us there was about 12 at that time now there was ones from Limavari 
good friends of mine, still good friends to this day, you know, like very like polar opposite in their political look, look, look and stuff. But it was it was it was that project that actually connected. That's us. perfect though. Is, I love yeah. that. And yeah. that's the only way that we're ever gonna get out of the shit. Yeah, yeah, talking about it and still to this day I'll, like I, I try to tease these stories out and I suppose that's one of the things that I do love to talk about because mm-hmm. people hear in a non-judgmental way oh absolutely yeah, exactly. yeah I was in Derry there at the weekend and me and one of the apprentice boys of Derry marched around the walls together listening to a guided tour and the tour guide no harm to him but it wouldn't have been that wild great because the stories that he was telling me and up Jim he was one of the apprentice boys we were sitting at the back there so we were saying well that bit's not true that bit's not true and then it came round to one of the big guns there and your man started and I said you should ask Jim he was at the siege himself as one of the apprentice boys there but I mean 20 years ago 15 years ago like or 10 years ago like I could never have seen myself walking around the walls of Derry with an apprentice boy yeah. like you know it's it, but it's class like there's no no difference whatsoever yeah. just born in different places is all exactly you know but you know I was working that's a lot of what my job was in Belfast was um because these kids generally weren't at school or they were maybe at school and really part-time because of their behavioural things. Um, but I was getting them together. Then I'd pick the both of them from the two opposite sides of the city to go for little after-school kind of chats and homework, like yeah. not real homework, you know, like really trying to bridge it together. Yeah. And they actually are yeah. into the exact same things. They're the same kind of people. It's just like what has been drilled down in it's from history. Um, because of the way things were set up here, and again, that goes back to the education system. In some some cases now, not all the cases, but like most people in this island, it's until they go to university or this part of the island. Yes, that's when they mix now. Yeah, but that's starting to change. That's that's gradually starting to change. Like I mean. Through my tours now, we would take out the shared education programs with different schools. Wow. Probably. So loads of kids then. You are getting loads of kids. Not so many now because of the budget cuts. Um, oh. I was seen me there maybe three to four years ago. Um, maybe taking seven different schools per year. We're on to Rathen Island. Mm. We would have took them out. We would have taught them the the fauna. We would have taught them the local history, um, the sea life and stuff. And some of them kids had never been in a boat before. Some of them had never been in Rathen wow. before. It was actually class, I'll not say any names as I say, but there was a, a Catholic school and a Protestant school come over with me. And at the start of the tour, once we were getting down onto the Rathman boat, the boat is two decks, and the Catholics, they sat on the first floor, and the Protestants, they sat on the second floor. So we went over onto the island and went up to the lighthouse and had her picnic and all that there, and I did a lot of that storytelling about banshees and stuff like that there. And you see the way home, them kids was the class. But it was, it was, it was really interesting. Like I They would, were all up and down... Ah, absolutely, yeah, totally. Oh, that's see, that's what that's needs to happen. Yeah. But so why? What do you mean the budget cut? You mean the school's budget's cut? I presume that's what it is. Yeah. Um, Where is the government with this then? That that needs to that needs to expand rather than get cut. That's a podcast you do not want me to get into. <laughs> so mm. it is definitely no. I can be here all day. No, me too. Budget cuts, and then it, it, it's on to the individual school principals there too. You know, um, on Monday then I had a school group then over on Rathlin and they come to me every year religiously and uh, it was class now it's even some of the, the, the questions that the kids come out with what like give us some examples so I, I will give you some examples actually uh, one of the best questions two of the best questions actually I would ever had would have came from from kids we were down into the Ballycastle Museum there one day and uh, there was a school group out with me and I took them in and 
for those that know Ballycastle Museum, probably not many does. It's a small two-storied building in Castle Street there. And downstairs was the indoor market yard, and then upstairs would have been the courthouse. I'm sure probably your grandfather and my grandfather maybe frequented <laughs> back in the day. And, uh, but I was up until the 1970s, that would have been the courthouse upstairs. But there's still the hooks on the roof that the carcasses of the geese and stuff would have come on. Right. So I would always say to the kids at the start then, when they come in the door, right, can anybody tell me what this building was? And there was one wee lad at the back here, put his finger up and turned around and he says to me, was it a Chinese, sir? <laughs> and I said, no, it definitely wasn't a Chinese at that time. And then there was another young fella too, he was now quite witty, I, I never, but it was just the way that their minds worked, mm. fascinates me. But we went down then into the back of the museum. Um, which is a, a quite a modern collection and dating to the 1920s um, from the Irish Home Industries, which was another area of Ballycastle that was to create employ employment. But um, the most famous part of the collection then is Princess Tasey, the banner, which would have represented Glen Tasey in mm -hmm. the fish in 1904. And I was telling the story about Princess Tasey and so forth and that there, and he started telling about her wedding and one thing and another, and it was just the way that his mind and he was going into the story. And he seen things through a completely different lens that I see. Just because he was a child? Just because he was a child. And you're, you're creative, well you know yourself, your creativity and your imagination when you're, you know, that needs to be encouraged. But he was obviously already into history was, and he stories, the, uh, he knew the story. Because probably nobody else yeah. in the class knew, did they? Well, do, do we get taught them in school? No. No, we don't. It's awful. I had a, I had a young fella there recently talk to me then about Bonamargie Castle. Mm. Now, Bonamargie Castle. Mm. Most people, but I mean, we're not taught local history in schools, mm. or not to the extent that it, that it should be. Definitely. Um, and it was only again harking back to the nineteen nineties whenever I was at school. It was only Regiment Sparn and an after school group that took us mm. that sparked that interest to me, and now I make part of my living out of that. And like, really, that is our ancestors. That's where we come from. Mm. I actually do think it's quite important because then. <laughs> for me whenever then it was only I got sick and then I'm like oh I want to know like what's happened in my line and you know why is there all this illness and you know it's just, why should I why does it that is it that something bad has to happen or there's a big event has to happen until you start thinking about your history yeah. or like what's going on what's generationally going on I think and this is only my opinion the curriculums that we're taught, like, and this isn't, by the way, a podcast about bashing schools and the curriculum. I know, but actually, honestly, I feel like that's what I have done, like, a yeah. few times, because yeah. it's just not good enough. No. I, I, I have a lot of respect for the schools, and I have a lot of respect for the teachers within them, you know. Um, yeah, it's definitely not the teachers, it's no, above. It's the system, it's, it's that mm -hmm. system. Like, I mean, when we were there at secondary school, it was only then I learned my own history then in hotel rooms in Dublin, upstairs with books. Mm -hmm. And... Um, by, by talking to local farmers and talking to local people. I mean, yeah. you know, there was up, as I say, up church where I'm from there, well, two of the men is no longer with us now. Three of the men actually is no longer with us. They've passed on, unfortunately. But Kevin Murphy, um, Ben McBride, and Martin Gallon up the road there now, they would have sat, uh, we actually called them the, the security guards <laughs> in the corner, because the three of them had no social media, no phones, none of that crack. They stood from probably about, well, on a Saturday, it would have been 10 o'clock in the morning till about 8 o'clock at night. They would have went in, got their dinner, and they would have come out, and then they would have walked up the road or they would have walked down the road. And I was fortunate that I grew up in a period then up there when there was no social media. So I listened to their stories and names of people then around that area that they would have known when they were growing up mm -hmm. was sort of transferred onto me. 
So now I would take people out and I would be fit to tell some of them stories. I need to come on a tour with you. You do, yeah, well, and that's the other thing about the curriculum then, as I say, like, the history, I, I only talk history by the way, like, I, I'm not qualified, well I'm not qualified in history either, but I'm not qualified to talk about any of them other, other classes, but I think that it was, if it's relevant to us, then we become more in tune to it and we would show more of an appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. Like whenever I was leaving school there, it was like, we were talking about Nazi Germany. Massively important, like, you know, culturally important, like where we're at now in word politics. Yeah, whole well, word. Word, po- you know, but I mean, if you try to tell a 14-year-old kid that, you try and tell, whereas if you were telling them about his granda and him maybe building the Marine Hotel or the boys are body cat, like, you know, that's, that's going in. Yeah. That is going in. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we try to do in school groups. Yeah. But I, I got help now, I have to say, whenever I was, like, coming up, like, as I say, councillor on that project, on the brink, then it was called that, that about the, the nationalist history and the unionist history of the body castle because of the centenary in 1916. Um, then when I realised, right, I'm telling these bad stories, not bad stories, but these, these war stories of Bally Castle, right, and there was people coming to listen to it. There's people coming from Ramavari, there was different groups coming from the Falls Road, from the Shankill and mm-hmm. that, listening to the opposite side of probably what they grew up with being told. Mm-hmm. So I, I realised myself then I wanted to tell our good history. Yeah. Like some of our good stories, like our ghost stories, or, you know, the mythology in the Glens here. And that's kind of how then Nine Glens Adventure Tours came about. What's your favourite kind of story to tell? I'm not going to get you to tell the whole story, but what's your favourite one to tell or that people get most shocked or most, like, you can just see their enthusiasm as they're, you're speaking? Again, it depends on who the people are. Some mm. people come here for genealogy. I can't pronounce the word now. Genealogy. 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 Uh, it's, it's a hard, hard one. Do <laughs> yeah. you have to say that every time? You Try to, yeah. Oh, but when you learn in tour guide and you learn all these wee tricks, mm. so you do, right? So if there's a word there you're stopping them where you can manage to jump, change the subject. Mm. Or if there's a, a, there's a, a fella there that's causing, but not, not intentionally been like distracting about there. So I would give him a job. We'll tell him, right, can you keep an eye on people behind and make sure they're bunched up? So you're distracting them. Or now, is this just with the kids or adults No, this well? is adults. Kids is 100%. It's adults right. is the issue. Yeah, yeah. There's a certain nationality that I won't say out loud, but they are the ones that cause all the issues. You know, it's, I'll, I'll leave it to your imagination, but it wouldn't be too much to imagine what nationality they were. Um, I shared a big rant there on Facebook the other week then, that, um, mm. 16 emails, like for, for a one or a tour, and we've got websites, we've got Instagram, we've got Facebook. And With all the information all that's that necessary. Yeah. And it, it was got to the stage, and like, I mean, I work full time. I leave built Bally Castle in the morning at six o'clock. And I could be sitting maybe at half ten at night answering emails and messages. And I really looked down and the way that Gmail's set up now is it shows you the number quite sort of considerably just down the left hand side of the, the, the thing. And there were 16 emails. And I was like, I've actually planned this girl's whole itinerary. When she was staying, she, she, she staying up in the hotel, up in the solo. I was telling her, which how, wasn't up to you. you like you no, didn't have to do that. You were just no, doing the tour. I was doing the tour. Like literally, I wasn't even doing the tour. So it was Senya was doing the foraging tour. Oh my goodness. So it was I. So I, so I did with admin, but like there is no way I needed to be sixteen emails in, and I'm, I'm probably ashamed to say this. It's probably not my best marketing stuff here. But I got to the sixteenth email and I just thought I ain't the plan. No, that's that's fair. Totally fair. Is it fair? Totally fair because realistically, like you had given all the information, it was all there anyway. Like no, I just think that was no, it's just ridiculous. Too I much. Even, I even told her how far it would be 
between walking distance and a travel distance from the Salt House Hotel here in Ballycastle down to the Rathlin Ferry Terminal. And do you know what the last email said to me? We sometimes get seasick. Now you're going to an island on a boat. And you knew that from the very start, the very first bloody correspondence. Like 16 emails, huh? so I, I just couldn't oh. reply. I couldn't bring this other reply. You see, when you were saying there, um, it was somebody else is going to be doing the foraging tour. So you, would you not personally know anything about foraging? I know bits and pieces. Not now that so we specifically at Seaweed, because, I mean, as I say, 95% of my island's in Rathlin. So we're promoting that way of life. We're, we're promoting Rathlin. We're, we're trying to promote Rathlin as best we can. Mm. Um, we're giving jobs to the locals over there, and that's their way of life. Yeah. Um, seaweed would have been massive in Rathlin. I mean, the, the Islanders paid their rent. They survived. It was subsistence. It was everything in Rathlin. Mm-hmm. So I, I let them do that. I don't I don't know enough about seaweed. Mm-hmm. Foraging... Um, for food like myself, well, I would, I would, I would be fit to do some bits and pieces in that. Yeah. Way. But that was never trained again. That's my granda, yeah. who, as I say, thankfully still with me. My granda was just leaving him there before he came on to this podcast. And I remember again up in church for there, he would have took me down and he had taught you how to grab an nettle without getting stung. Wow. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, because nettle teas meant to be brilliant for you. Never tasted it. What? Why I not? I just, I've never, I've never, it's not something that really attracts me. Well, it's meant to be very good for you and even, well, my brother Keelan, he knows a wee bit about foraging now just through his job and we were over, um, up it was really wild fields over the, just the other side of the glen, um, me and Janie's, oh, I was yeah, talking yeah. about. Awesome. So we were gathering the garlic leaves and stuff and I, and I did put it into dinner that night. Yeah. And then the wee, um. Is he called Blake? No. Those wait, God, see now I'm terrible. I don't remember names of him, but the little yellow flowers. There's all the thorns around them. Oh, thorns are in the yellow flowers. Oh, you know this. The them big thorny bushes are Hawthorne. everywhere. No, hawthorn would be white now, yellow. No, it's the wheat. Them wheat, really, really vibrant yellow. The wee tiny ones. We gathered loads of them, and I put them in a salad. But now this is very new. Yeah, this yeah. is the first. This is the first year I've done it, but I really want to learn more about it, and I would think about doing it. Yeah. There's a. Uh... A fantastic, well, he's got a series of books out, I think his name, so his second, his second name is definitely McCoucher or McCoyter, um, but I think it's Podrick is his first name, and he has got the mythology of animals, Irish, Irish mythology surrounded animals, and Irish mythology around plants, mm. tells you what you can eat, and then, like, uh, I mean, I've got a few books in the house there, you're, you're quite welcome to lend them, by the way, um, The Forager's Bible, and The mm. Forager's not there, and that. I sell like my Chinese and, and stuff to be fair. <laughs> I know, yeah, that's the thing. Me too, me too. We, we all do, we and all we're all allowed to have it. Specifically, though, see, uh, in Rathlin now, it's because of the community and the way that they... So there wouldn't have been much, like, greenscape, historically, you know, on the island, like trees or mm-hmm. stuff like that there. You know, there's still very little trees and coverage on Rathlin. Island. But, I mean, the people over there right through for centuries would have survived off the seaweed and... It's made a massive comeback there in recent years on Rathlin Island. Mm. There was actually, I'll tell you, a great story that I do tell ones when I'm out uh, Turkey was we started down in Church Bay for those that would have been. You've, you've been to Rathlin, haven't you? Oh, a few uh, times. A few times. Mm-hmm. So, so they actually have a seaweed factory on Rathlin at the minute. I didn't know that. Know. They've got a kilt for us then just at the other side of the breakwater. And Kate and the family, for uh, Benji and them, they would still do some of the, the seaweed production on the island. Right. And... Do you remember the tsunami, the Japanese tsunami there some years ago? Yeah. Well, and it also affected like Bali and and mm-hmm. Thailand and all. You were probably travelling that stage, right? We went the year after me and Claire. Actually, we what were. Year was that? 
Uh, we went in 2012, so I think it happened in 2010 or 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Whatever, that, that year, I know the Japanese tsunami happened. Or maybe I'm thinking of the tight, there's the Indonesian one. Maybe that was the one we're thinking of. Yeah, the Japanese that's probably... one was maybe fairly. Recent. Okay, sorry, I'm not sure. But there was a nuclear power plant, and sure, it was submerged, submerged in the water, and it was really damaged on it. Well, at that time, then the seaweed production in Rathlin could have been benefited by that, because so much of the water around Japan was contaminated with the toxins coming out of that there. So yeah. There was supposed to be a delegation. Now I don't know fully that if the delegation ever made, but there was supposed to be a delegation went from Rathlin about their kelp and their seaweed industry there that I see if they could supply or they could work with the Japanese to go out. Yes, and to put it into their Food waters to try to make it... I don't even think into the waters. No, I think it was actually to sell the... I don't know the specifics on it, to be clear, frankly, Tara. Um, it's something I would need to look at, but I think they were to try to sell into the market over there, oh. potentially. I thought you meant as in that could like nearly... Because the water would have been completely contaminated and that would be very dangerous for all the... Uh, the wildlife, the wildlife yeah, yeah, in the waters. So I thought you meant if we brought, brought that seaweed over and that could really help cleanse I it and help it or something. That's such a good idea, though, wouldn't it? Mm. We could do that in our rivers, mm. in our lakes. Do you know, just this is off topic, but do you know anything about how we can get eels back in our rivers? Well, I thought there were still eels in there. Just eels. not as many. When no. I was younger, that's a big thing I remember, was going digging for eels. Like, we, they would just be the weed. They'd literally yeah, be like as that, small yeah. as worms. And then we'd go fishing and stuff, just that way activity that me and my dad used to do. He didn't think I'd remember, but I'm reading up at the minute on like the endangered species here, yeah. like native ones, um, and like especially in the north. And I was actually devastated to hear that eels is number one. Isn't They're endangered. They're literally going to mm. be gone in the next ten years. Yeah. So then dad was like, "Yeah, you don't ever see an eel down in them don't, rivers." Don't no. Say it, no. I was saying that it's been a lot of times I was down reading. Then she has to go over even, well, that empire over a fair bit, like, but then she's around. Because of all the trawling out in the sea and stuff, yeah, so then they they have to go out and then come back, yeah, and it's, that's not able to happen. It's the same as everything, even the puffin population now, I'm sure, it's sort of getting, well, I'm not going to say it's getting decimated, but it's it's under threat, like, yeah, know, because of the feeding grounds, and well, then they have another problem over there that they're actually alleviating, so they've got rats and ferrets, which, because puffins is growing nesting, that's... But they've managed to secure lots of money there, and there's 35 jobs created in Rathen. Wow. Um, the RAF project, and it's about Rathen for eradication. Right. It's fantastic, like, you know, 30, I, I think, 30, I'm going to say 35 jobs over. Oh, that's years. amazing. That is, it's fantastic for a small island. And, like, what do you know? Does that mean actually culling the rats? Uh, so it'll ha they'll have to be live caught, yeah. Um, maybe not what you want to hear. Oh, here, I hate rats. You hate them? I'm sorry. Like, if, And it's the same way with, you know, deer is making loads of other wildlife go really underpopulated. No, it's only because we don't have wolves anymore. I know yeah. all that. But it's obviously a bit sad to think. But whenever I hear that they call the older, the ones, that you know, it's like, yeah. okay, that's fine if it's going to help the other uh, <laughs> other species, you know. I'd be like a shame. I, I personally couldn't kill an animal. God, no way. I shot a rabbit once when I was about seven years age. And I had to sort of close my eyes and look away as I was using the shotgun. And I injured it and it squealed and squealed. Oh, and that no. was it. I swore that moment then. The farmer actually had to take the gun off me and finish the rabbit. Oh, God. But I swore from that day forward, like I had, and I haven't. Even, I'll be honest with you, I couldn't even, I don't even think I could do that job on Rathen. Um, But the, I do know that they have to be sort of like caught because sure you were to poison them. 
Well, then that would get into the ecosystem. Exactly. The birds exactly. Would that. So, oh, because here even I don't know what happens from just out of, just out of the air. I don't know what happens to the rats from. I would imagine this, you know, and ferrets too, by the way. A quick interlude just to make you all aware of a brand new group that has started up now in the local Moyle area. It's Moyle Community First Responders. They work in conjunction with the Northern Ireland Ambulance Service and one of my very, very good old friends is part of the group. They're all fully trained by the Ambulance Service. They get the calls, the 999 calls in to the local area when they come into the Ambulance Service and they can attend within four minutes because they're all local, providing life-saving aid until the paramedics can arrive. They are dealing with cardiac issues, strokes, seizures. So I just want to make everybody more aware. You can go follow them on their Facebook page. At the moment, they just need everyone's support. They need more awareness. They need your donations. I know firsthand how important this service is. I have watched my mum have seizures many, many times and it is absolutely terrifying. She does not know who she is, where she is. She's not even conscious. This is life or death. Thank you for listening. Please keep safe. So I'm getting the wee shed out there that you see and like dad keeps saying about, well, if you're going to be planting things and all, we need to like, you know he's talking about putting down fertilizer and i'm like no it has to be all completely natural otherwise what's the point yeah. like that's not how i want to live like i've learned from cancer that that's not no use not i don't life. it'll only be and then so i actually read into it and tea tree oil my essential oils if i dose my potatoes in tea Just tree for oil the there for the podcast there i have been smothered in oil <laughs> since i came through the door here the night what yeah. is it? What is it? Just cedar, cedar wood. Yeah, yeah. The two of us, yeah, we had a wee bit just at the start just to ah, keep us grounded, feel like very earthy and ready to just chat and be open and speak our truth. Be yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so. class, by the way, what you're doing at the front there. And the well. views is outstanding, like looking out over Cara, I suppose, in, in Ballycastle. Let's say the remote of this small part of it. Well, you'll have to, whenever it's fully I finished, you'll have it, to yeah. come up and totally. and see what's going on. I see myself sitting out there, what is it, Sonic Bait, uh, Sonic Sound Bathing? <laughs> all that there. Yeah, well, we, yeah. we go to Cara Fergus to do it now in the forest, so here would be the perfect place. Yeah, Instead yeah, just any, because that is actually quite neat of forest. Like now I know yeah. on back, back at like this constant trees that are getting yeah recycled and whatever but the, just right across the road from my house i'm yeah. so blessed like that's all different types of native trees as well so that's you get cool. red squirrels and all come over into our garden you'll see deers up there now i would use mm-hmm. the deer circle up there on thursday night and uh you can see the deers end coming out there's a lot, there's quite a few deers about here now just at the minute yeah and for whatever purpose but it's probably as you said there's no natural predators Mm-hmm. It's only us. Mm-hmm. So, but so you do. You were telling me you actually come up here once a week and you're doing a big look walk. Yeah, so tell us a bit about that. Well, that's not that's not like it's just for myself. I and mean, that's one of the aspirations going forward. Um, like there's things there. So I've been involved in community work in Ballycastle and used to be involved a lot more obviously around the museum and that there. But I just completed a course there last Wednesday night, a year long, and hopefully all been well. We'll get a diploma and that money. What was the um, course? Community, <laughs> community development. Yes, okay. Um, but it was Oh, Galway. that's it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Galway University. And uh, I've got ideas that I want to take forward in Ballycastle. One of them would be a walking group. Um, I've got a name and all. 
Can you? Are you holding it in? No, no, no. Here, should I hold on? No, no. What is it? Couldn't hold me on water, as you say. <laughs> me uh, too. I'm Obviously. thinking some of like the Ramon Ramblers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like and will that be for all ages? All ages groups. Like. Yeah, that would be amazing. That's my outlet in life. Like, I mean, I, I head away twice a month hiking. And um, for the mornings this weekend, what I've been doing there in the Seven Summits this year. And it all comes down to like, community development. Like, there's nothing better. Like for you to switch off and just get out into the, the environment, the totally. the forest. So, I mean, I do a lot of walking myself. This year I've been Wicklow, I've been in Tipperary, I was down in, where was that last month? Down in County Kerry last month. I've been more this month, I'll be down in County Mayo next month. Um, and some friends go with me, but in that particular one, then that, there's a big group of us, there's about 75 of us. So, I'll just pull up tents, camp. Yeah. It's, it's the most social thing I've ever seen in the world. 75, that's amazing. That's a so, really good group. That's not, no, that's not through me. It's through a Donegal fella. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we became friends. Like I remember yeah. the first one was down in County Wicklow. I booked a wee Airbnb, best Airbnb I was ever in my life. I walked through the door that night and this man came running out, said so I'd into the, the front garden. And he says, you're Kevin. And I'm like, oh, I am yet. And I come up into the bedroom and he says, this is your bedroom now. And I turned around and stood in the room with me for 25 minutes. <laughs> chatting away. Chatting away. And I thought, right, so some of the stories that he was telling me was completely, well, it sounded to me to be like complete fantasy. And uh, I went on the next day, he says, we got a flat. That night he goes, you'll get a breakfast in the morning. And I was like, it's a £35 B&B. Mm-hmm. I says, no, uh, look, I've got my lunch with me now. He says, oh, I'll do you a flask of soup. I'll do you a flask of soup. And I was wow. like, no, I don't need anything at all. Wow. So I got up the next morning, was going out the door. And sure enough, I was standing with a flask of soup. And I went on, right, and do you know what? This is me probably judgmental. Because the stories that he was telling me that night, there were just so many of them, and they were a wee bit fantastic. So I says to the fellas that I was walking, the first time I ever met them, but there was a few Donegal men in it, and ones from different parts. And I said to them, your man that I'm staying with in the house there, I think he's a complete fantasist and stuff and that there. I came back in that night, and I had dinner sitting waiting on me. I went through the door, I went down in, and I sat and had a glass of red wine with him. And he had a glass of red wine and I listened to his story and he was an amazing individual. I was very judgmental at the start. The stories then, once on, I took me into the kitchen there for the dinner and I seen then all these pictures up on the wall of plays that he had produced in the Gaiety Theatre in Dublin. Wow. So he was actually the director of the Gaiety Theatre. So, so the have... stories was probably true. Yeah. And that there, and just fantastic. And it came out to me then, I was leaving on the Sunday to come up home and I handed me books for my children. And he turned around and he says, Kevin, he says, me and you bond it really well here. He turned around and he says, you see any time you're doing a Wicklow again? He says, that room upstairs is yours mm. for, for, for you. So you Isn't that class? People. Honestly, that's, we were, last summer we went and did a big road trip in through Canada and we have made really, really good friends mm. with this couple of fellas that they live in Montreal and they're like, please come back, just stay with us. Even if we have guests, you can stay on the sofas. Yeah. Like, isn't it just so lovely if you just, Talk. Talk. Chat. Open up a wee bit. Yeah. Just be open to listening to them. Yeah. Like, that's all it takes to be a nice person. Just to be a nice person. Yeah. I actually rang him on the way back then that because he made me the, the, the lunch lick and all. Mm-hmm. So I says to him, right, I'm coming back here tonight. Um, do you want me to pick you up something from the chippy? And I had only met this guy, like, for 25 minutes the, the following, but I says, do you want me to pick you something? Oh, and grab something. You be worrying about that, Kevin. He says, I've got your dinner made for you. Oh. But it was, it was amazing. So, wow. like, I went on to uh, TripAdvisor five stars mm-hmm. and anybody I would encourage now mm-hmm. is this man here and, and so this is in Wicklow that was in Wicklow so that was that walking group that I do but one of the things I enjoy about walking and one of the things then when I was out 
doing my Thursday evenings, I start in Ballycastle. This is just me, myself now, personally. Walk up down through Ballycastle Forest and then down to Romania here. Do you, do you just call it the Townlands now? My dad does. He does, yeah. He does. Yeah, that, boys. yeah, yeah. Well, you shouldn't be in yeah. that category, but yeah. yeah, no, he always calls it that. Right, so I mean, walk down this and then right down through Drummond Hole, then back into the town. So you're probably talking about 13k there. Mm -hmm. um, but there's no phones, it's the same as when I'm out with them groups there that I do the walking around Ireland with every month. As I say, there's 75 people there made up from so many different types of backgrounds, personality, fitness levels. But it's a social thing. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you one. I'll tell you one. I'll not get into too much detail on it. But do you know that really terrible accident that happened in uh, just out in Donegal there with the explosion at the garage? Yes. So one of the guys there that I became quite good friends with, Paul there, and he was actually a coach of some of the kids there mm. at football that was was unfortunately killed in that accident. God. And he just said that he needed to take a step back. He needed a release. He seen this here challenge coming up known as the Ireland Seven Summits and he signed on it too. He said he never walked a mountain in his life. He says he hasn't even done Eregal, which is on his doorstep in Donegal. And he's down there now without fail every weekend. Wow. You have no phone, you have no connectivity, you've got the old phone out for yourself, you yeah. the pictures, yeah. the, the normal stuff. Yeah. But you're not stuck glued to the handset or the iPad or anything. Exactly. And you're chatting. Exactly. And I have learned so much from them people. Mm -hmm. So that was out there for me. And then I do some of the international stuff now as well. That is amazing. That's my own personal challenge. So you're saying that group, the 75, some another fella, he started that and you've joined through socials or something, you social, found him? Social network, yeah. He's, he's one of Ireland's finest mountaineers. Amazing. And uh, he just wanted to get people out into mm -hmm. the mountains. It's, it's kind of what I do, but not mm -hmm. to the same scale as, as Jason does. You know. But maybe that's the vision? Maybe eventually? I had the opportunity, you know, I could have done some international stuff. Um, last year I did a fair bit of traveling myself now. Um, thankfully Kirsty the partner <laughs> she's very understanding uh -huh. um, but listen you need that independence in life she probably knows it's going to make you a better man yeah. a better daddy just it's, if you're growing then yeah. you're always going to be yeah. better for yeah. the family you are it's, it's I think living in each other's pockets well I know that's definitely not me and it's definitely not Kirsty and I think uh -huh. that independence is really really good but um, I went to Africa I did the Hedge Mountain in Africa last year North Africa um, again that was where I grew up that was actually most of the people from the North Ireland here um, class still good friends with them we go walking in the morning some of them yeah and as I said I wasn't finished there I wanted to do some other stuff so I went and climbed um, the highest mountain in Italy last year and the highest mountain in France which is Mont Blanc and that was that Gosh. was class that was challenging now, yeah, but it was um, again meeting people mm -hmm. um, social I was hoping to get away next year so 2024 but then we just had the second child there, so that's probably... Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, can you vision that in the kind of near future you'll even take the kids? Absolutely, yeah. You know, is your, your wee boy is that bit five, bigger five. now, isn't yeah, he? Yeah. He's getting... So was he, would you take him out on big walks now yeah. and stuff and he's getting into it? Yeah, it is. Right. Well, we're camping just when you say that. We're away camping on the weekend. Um, are we allowed to give like, recommendations here on this? Absolutely. Please yeah. do. So we went out in the residential in Derry and Saturday for the community development stuff. But I said to Kirsty um, to drop him, meet me halfway in Lamabari, and we stayed at uh, Caramina Activity Centre. Absolutely fantastic. Is it very good? It was, yeah. Especially for his age, for was For his that... age. Well, it's just the, the freedom. Yeah. They're safe. Yeah, that's like, it. We went up into the Point Pub, I think it is, just there at the Loch Foyle Ferry, and um, a couple of pints there. Kirsty had a few drinks, not there. And then I didn't even think about it, to be fair, because I wouldn't think of eating myself. 
Because when I'm out on the mountains and that, I would, it's very rarely I would think of the eating. Mm-hmm. You don't think of it nothing, to be, to be honest, it's... Excuse me, I like hiking as well. Yeah. Do you not know that? Well, I didn't, didn't do that, no, no. Well, no. definitely I... more so than with Stephen. Like the, yeah. I did Ergol only within the last year. Beautiful mountain. Very tough for me to be yeah, honest. Tough, yeah. I well at the time it was very marshy at the bottom, like like literally my foot was stuck so, right in yeah. it. Stephen had to pull my leg out, and then as you were going up, it was the stones were just you were nearly like nice falling street. down because it was very stony, like all you were having to scramble a bit. Like there was a few people we said we were chatting to that said they do it regularly, and they were like at the minute it's they're working on the path and they whatever, yeah. but that's fantastic. Yeah, it was it was class. Yeah. yeah. No, and that at Wicklow as well. I did Wicklow last year too. Lugawila? The Whatever that big loop around one. Yeah, it's yeah. like thir- 13 and a half days. You didn't I followed your travels when you were younger. Like, over yeah, I know. That was whatever we were travelling. I was with Claire. She's yeah. not a hiker. She's not a hiker. No, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> so now, now that I'm... Yeah, I love it. I love it. it the is. outdoors is just... It's really yeah, It's big. T- the biggest release. Yeah. And like you were saying there, you see whenever I find, because obviously after doing podcasts and stuff, I do have to go on the iPad and like edit through and um, put in my wee interludes and put in my wee um, music or whatever. And I do find like I, it drains my energy. The media stuff? Just sitting staring at a screen yeah. really makes me start to like nearly e- easily feel unwell, but I know my limits and then I'll take a break all the time I have my essential oils I'll be dosing myself mm-hmm. in them even just keep topping up drinking water because literally it is draining your actual body yeah. energy it's crazy it is but and you and you you get something from like you get a, I'm not going to say spiritual it is obviously very spiritual like the doors anyway I mean that's one of the reasons why I do it mm-hmm. but your energy levels you find replenished totally outdoors. oh 100% yeah. like if I felt nauseous or if I actually was feeling really down and actually maybe teary and just could very easily go down a rabbit hole, a bad rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. If I go just to take the dog and we go up around that forest, even if we don't go do the whole loop, we just get out and breathe in that fresh air. Sometimes I'll like literally sit in the middle of, especially if there's like a lot of the time there's the bluebells all come in through the forest. Mm-hmm. I'll literally sit in the middle oh, of them and I'm did- like, Healed, yeah. like genuinely healed, ready to go back down, like skipping, whistling away to myself. Like it's insane that we weren't taught this in school. No, it's not. It's it's a different vibe. Um, I, I, it's, I'm I'm nicely delighted to hear that there. Well, what do you think? What's your thoughts on it? I think it's the most natural thing in the world. Um, like we tend to think that we're so sophisticated, got and we're so advanced, got, but it's really the simple things that, that you know. I'll, I'll give an example. So when we were first doing that there, um, that community development class in, so the first thing was that the teacher that night, Kate, she came in and she set out all these pictures in the room. It was, a, it was a, like a, not a test, but it was like an icebreaker. Mm-hmm. And she asked the people to go all around that room and pick out these pictures. So there was 20 else in the class, and I think there was like 21 pictures or whatever, and they'd be in the table. And everybody had to pick up the picture, put it in their hand, and then come over and talk about it, right? So now there's people of different sizes, different cultures, um, people that would have been sporty, people not. Every one of the people in that room that night picked up a photo when they were in nature and away from their handsets. Every one of them, without fail, 20 people that night. And mm. um, I says to Kate, what people seem to under, because we are so removed from our natural instincts. Mm-hmm. For instance, there's Christy there, so I went into the conservatory there last night, right? In our house, and we've got a lovely conservatory at the back of the house. 
where the sun will be coming in in the evening. It comes around the front of the house in the morning when I'm going to work, which is horrible because the wee oh. bird she's up at like 10 to 4 in the morning right now. Oh. But it's in there in the morning, right? And Kirsty has felt that place full of plants, right? Now, if you think back sublimely to our ancestral roots, we grew up in forests, we grew up in caves. That's a hard back to that ancestral period, like filling our house to things that we feel comfortable with. Mm. Like that's subliminal stuff going on there, yeah. you know. I'm not going to get too head frying here. No, this, I'm obsessed with all this stuff. Yeah, well that, that's, that's right. For me it's it's just, it's everything. Like it's, mm. it's a life, I mean, we were up in Mont Blanc and there was only Michelle and, well it's a long story, maybe I don't have time to get into the night I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, there was a Taiwanese girl um, was my climbing partner. Had never met each other. Um, they only started up the what scrap a week before, and her name was Claire, but it was spelt the Irish way, C L A I R E. Right. So I thought I hung from Taiwan. Would it? That's just the good part of the story. So I didn't realize she was in Taiwan, and I turned around and I put in the WhatsApp group. I says, Claire, are you Irish by any chance? And with a spelling like that there, and she turned around and she says, No, I'm Taiwanese. And I thought, right, this girl's taking the piss out of me here. You know, it's a bit of Irish humour going on. And I never thought I'd hang on it. So we were sitting down in our reduction and sure enough, there was a Taiwanese girl <laughs> walking in through the door. Hi, I'm Claire. Like, I'm Claire. Like her name's obviously not Claire, but that was her English oh, name. Oh, of course. Okay, okay, okay. But uh, Claire, never, Claire never made it um, up the mountain. She made the first one, but she struggled. She she, she done it on a whim. You need a bit of experience, a bit of training for that, especially that kind of altitude and stuff. Mm. And it was getting dangerous with us coming down the mountain. And our guide was a Belgian large. He uh, kept pushing us on, and I seen that she was struggling. And I mean, if people are struggling with me here, well, I would stop for ten minutes. I would take a break. You would actually focus on that person, keep them talking, so then their mindset is on you, and it's not on the struggling. Aye. So you're kind of walking them through. Very good. But I said to him, "Can we can we stop here? Does she catches her breath here and stuff and that there?" And he was like, "No." And then he took me to the side. He didn't chastise me. He says, "Look, Kevin, we need to keep moving." Because there's about 10 metres of snow and underneath us. And as the day's warming up, that snow's melting. And we're starting to sink all right at that time. So we had to get her off the mountain that time and all. But all that was connecting us then, I was sitting thinking about this, from crevices down and below us and all, was about 10 foot of snow. And that four metres of rope that was connecting Claire and I to, to us. And all your inhibitions, one, one, one stage we did stop, probably shouldn't tell you this, but one stage we did stop, and I thought, right, Claire's fell here and I looked around and she had the trousers down and that and she was doing a piece <laughs> behind me and the thing. But that's what that's what mountaineering's about. Exactly. You're, you're back to nature, you're back to the very basics. It's survival. Mm-hmm. And I just love it. Yeah. I do love no, it. No, here, well, I'll tell this and I didn't think I'd be saying this in the <laughs> podcast. So me and Stephen, while I was, be- I was very sick still now and thinking about it, I had no hair, stuff like that. And we went and did a big road trip around Scotland. Mm. And... Literally, I got so... No, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I got so used to pissing outside that there was... (laughs) (laughs) We were in... No, I can't even. You're halfway through now. We were in in the city. We were in Edinburgh. And I was like, no. And I think it's basically because I was sick and on. I just didn't care. And I was like... So the whole of the hospital seen me... everyone, Everyone poked in and out of everywhere. And I... Literally left my skirt and I peed in the. <laughs> so that's your thing, Norden. It really is, but why am I so embarrassed about it? Yeah. Well, because it what like come on, Edinburgh is very yeah, up and common yeah, these yeah. days, isn't it? But 
uh, yeah, I just have to laugh about it. And Stephen's like, great, good for you. And he loves that about me that I just don't He's care. And like, actually, that's the way we should be. That's totally the way we should be. Like, I mean, people are this good. Well, I'm not saying people, but life has made us so pretentious. Like, it, it, it's, it's formed us mm. into like a system where mm. we're worrying now things that we have no need to worry no about. No need, yeah. And we all do it. I do it. Now, I was just I was saying to you before the podcast started, right? So I am quite, uh, quite comfortable with myself. The only time that I am annoyed with myself for the only time that I'm... I don't like myself is after a session of alcohol. Mm. And then for them two, three days. So that's an external What is? You it's, know, it's, that's not that's not the real you. No. That's demons taking over yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Here, I actually something interesting. I follow this this doctor, Dr. Eamon or whatever, he's some American man and he's very insightful. He's a psychologist and all, but he's generally does a lot of work around development and especially like the brain and whatever. He's done he's seen thousands thousands of um brain scans he says in the next 10 years he thinks alcohol is going to be completely like this demonized the way that cigarettes are now i like a pint it's my problem is i can't stop it one pint two pints mm. well i can't i can usually have two pints but then after that i kind of get a taste for it and then that's when i'm and then but I, I i think it would be a good thing like, like that of course that's great that's social yeah that's the way that a lot of the mediterranean countries they like have their glasses of wine and they enjoy their dinner and they eat slowly and stop with their like wine in the middle yeah. of courses and stuff that's the way it's supposed to be enjoyed so it's because of our history and our culture you think it's trauma I'm not, I'm not even saying that, but I do think it's just very much of that's the way that's the way we grew up. It was. Not not even the way we grew up. I mean our ancestors and it is very ancestral, yeah. I think. Um I I mean, come on, you know my yeah. grandfather. Yeah. Well, realise we're gonna do this room, <laughs> No, but I just I feel like I just think it's very relevant and it's not just my family, it's, it's not no, it's all family it's ever. all Irish families. Yeah, it is. And I think a lot of it does come back to trauma, believe it or not. It goes back to the famine and stuff like that. Famine right through from the foundation of this state, you know, up here, whenever well, Catholics hadn't, or in our case, Catholics hadn't very much and all that there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did drink to forget. Absolutely. And they went to America then, you know, when they made a bit of money then, well, that social thing would have been, so alcohol has always been a massive part. And yeah. Probably always well, like, to be fair, you know. Um, and it's not a bad thing if, People aren't using it to numb the pain. To numb the pain. Mm-hmm. I do, yeah. I was very proud of myself in Kerry there two weeks ago. We were down at the foot of the Carn 2 Hill. And there's a Stephen Kinsella. I'm sure Stephen will probably never listen to this podcast anymore. This genre. But uh, he's from Dublin. And we went down. I landed. He happened to just land at the same time. And he says, are you camping? And I said, I'm going to throw the tent up now. And I said, he pulled a seat in at the side of me. Pulled up on the can of beer. There was a girl, Kara um, from Grayson, was in Wickwood. She says he's camping lads. And we were like, we are, yeah. She pulled in and we sat in beers. Sat and drank for a few beers at that their time. And then there was a taxi going down into Killarney Town. And I managed to say no. And I wanted to say no because I wanted to remember all the good experiences of that weekend. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I had went into Killarney that night, I knew right there I'd have blacked out drunk. And then the anxiety mm. would have came in and I would have regret it and it would have ruined the full of the weekend for me. Yeah. What, the next day where he's meant to be going doing the hike? No, so we, we finished the hike that day. Right, well, yeah. we did do, we, we had a few drinks on the Friday night and then on the Saturday night, well, we started then, well, a few of them did get into Clarny and end up, but we just stayed in camp. 
just sat there in a wee kitchen, some like your wee log cabin out the front here. Mm. And it was actually really nice because there was like a Belgian couple come around and we seen them walking past the door a few times and it was they were curious. And we had like Stephen, he bought a couple of beers actually just because I thought he thought we were going to run out. And he bought them and he says, come on in and join the party. And we cracked them open a beer and it was yeah. fantastic. Like you see even the chats that we had that night yeah. and their sense of history, their sense of Irish history was unbelievable. Wow. Because one of the, one of the, propagandas at the time of the First World War here was that Catholic Belgium was being attacked or was going to be attacked so then for the nationalists here in Ireland wanted to go to Belgium to save Catholic Belgium right so this guy knew all that wow so I was sitting in here loving this oh, conversation oh yeah see that's if you would have went to the pub you would have missed that yeah 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 oh so I, I love had, that I would have drunk too much there because realistically it's only the first couple three pints that you do enjoy anyway because yeah. you remember what you're talking to yeah and then you know who you're talking to and all the rest well, of well my new trick is that every drink i have i also have a glass of water mm-hmm. i just have to like i need to i need it to wise up yeah you know like i can't how could how the hell can i expect to survive this terminal illness if i'm not doing like we we small steps like that yeah i think you're surviving very very well yeah 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 very mm-hmm. they uh it's that so I'm completely amazed like to be fair and you reckon it's all down to the spiritualism and the, the it's definitely getting into all the holistic things I, I would never say oh it's just because of that I'd say to anybody uh, talk to your doctor medical and holistic combined every time like I was going through treatment and going to Jenny reflexology like regularly mm-hmm. getting like massage to get all the negative energy like out through my lymph nodes as well, you know, like straight out, you know, all that the whole way through. I did a 10 week session of um, Chinese nutritional therapy and she was, she was like tell, giving me herbs. She was acupuncture every week and stuff like that. Like, yeah. That's great. Do you, do you take like a synthetic medication at all? Now all I take is, uh, so with my doTERRA, I actually get, um, on guard it like would be very cleansing just for you know any mm-hmm. item shit yeah and it yeah that and i every single morning have my hot water and lemon that'll cleanse you out from the day before just just literally as in your body when you're sleeping mm-hmm. is cleansing and clearing and then like that's just gets it out before i'll eat anything in the morning um what else do i take i take supplements just the odd supplements and i don't even do it every day no but no i i just generally it is all about getting outdoors listening to my body positive thinking positive affirmations positive being grateful like that's it yeah that's it i try i don't take synthetic tablets either well then oh. thankfully touch wood now i'm touching i want to sell here when i say this but um, I it's wood, don't worry. It's wood, yeah, um, I try not to take synthetics, and then thankfully I haven't, you know, haven't been ill. I actually did choking about a chicken there a few weeks back. I had to spend two days in hospital. I was never what? Wow, I was never affronted in my life. Oh God. Um, the wee boy, I was sitting in front of the fire and I was eating about a chicken one night. And the way, I can't believe I'm actually telling you this now. You were telling me about you peeing in it, but I'm telling you. It's a safe space. It's a safe space. I like that. And uh, he spoke to me and I turned around at the wrong time and like this piece of chicken just got lodged just down mm, below here. Scary. Well it wasn't no I was I was like I could breathe. Oh. So the ear pipe, if you can imagine yourself, because then it goes down to the yeah. stomach and it goes to the, the lungs. Yeah, yeah. So but this never went to the lungs, thankfully. But it went down in there and I started couldn't get saliva down, couldn't get nothing down, this wasn't moving. And And then it starts to rot. It starts to rot. But Is I went it? to bed and all I like I went it was eight o'clock. 
and I had to lie with a basin at the side of my head because I couldn't get saliva down. So the saliva was coming out of my mouth. Right. And I started panicking, so I went to bed with Reba at 8 o'clock and got up in the middle of the night and half one she was due for a feeding. Um, Kirsty was feeding her by the way, not me, but I, I was up with them anyway mm-hmm. and I realised this hadn't moved. So I had the dream cell over to the hospital and I was completely in front of it. And I'm in and the doctor, he says to me, have you tried coke? And I was like, no. And he, I goes, what does coke do? But he says, we're going to, the coke, there must be the carbide, carbonate, so, I don't know what that is, some sodium bicarbonate or something. But uh, he relaxed me, gave me a muscle relaxing. And he watched me, <laughs> made me pay for my own coke, by the way. And <laughs> all I could get was coke cereal. And it went down, but it was hitting just below the throat, and then I was like regurgitating it up. Yeah, but also Coca Cola, you can use that as a toilet cleaner. I is why that. No, well, I I love it. I don't drink normal Coke ever mm. anymore. Only Coke Zero. Coke Zero. That's why, because it's a bloody like it's Cleanses. so. Uh, not cleanses. It's because it'll kill everything in its way. That's right. Well, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> and he says we're going to have to take you in, get him for surgical procedure. Jesus. Two days. I was in. There was guys actually in that had surgery. Surgery. And by the time I was in, because now, and I know they're under severe pressure over there, but like I had to wait from half one in the morning till five o'clock in a waiting room. And then I had to wait from five o'clock in the morning till five o'clock in the evening in a bed in the night. And by the stage then, that they took me up to put the cameras down. And it was a woman from Bally Castle actually that was working there. And she says to me, Kevin, do you want to see? He says, if you turn around the other side, you can see us putting the camera. And I was like, of course we want to see the camera. I know. So I was on for two days with a piece of chicken stuck with oh my foot. And you know all I could think about was, I've climbed some of the highest mountains in Europe. And that There's no way a fucking piece of chicken yeah. is going to take me out. No, oh my <laughs> and God. And just imagine that in the grist of <laughs> me a bit of chicken. So no, oh. um, we, didn't, we didn't do it. We, we managed to survive that one another. Well, Kevin, we've been chatting there for about an hour. I could actually chat to you all day. Thank you so, so much for being so open and just telling us everything, but I'd say that we could chat on for another couple of hours. Do you want to just end us with a bit of wisdom, a little something that you want the listeners to remember and maybe take away with them? I'm going to send it to the girl here, Ellen. Well, that's good. That's what I want. Don't wait, but they probably... And don't, don't take no for an answer with the other two things that I would probably finish on the same. Um, I could have given up all them years ago when I was called Bone Idol Lazy at school. I didn't. And I don't tend to. I've got plenty of ideas that I just need to find the time and energy to, to follow through with. Comment. And uh, yeah, that's really it. I would have just uh, encourage everybody to, to don't think about it. And this goes for yourself as well, Tara. Totally. Go out and do it. And grab it with both hands. Yeah. What's the worst I know, thank you, yeah. You're right. Maybe we'll get working together someday soon. I look forward to it. It'll be so good. Right, thank you. Bye.